We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Arizona, Colorado, Please Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tip Tennessee, Tip and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states. And the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. For boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit winbet.com. That's W-H-N-N-Bet.com to start winning. It's Big Blue Banter, the answer to all your Giants matters. From run game to coaching to Bob Shepard's timbre. Hosted by Dan Schneier, analysis on fire. A Giants fan since day one, now preaching to the choir. Joined by Nick Filato, breakdowns with bravado. Passing you the facts like he passes on gelato. From just outside New York, a couple football dorks. A killer podcast when Dan says receiver corpse. They do the play-by-play, dropping almost every day. These experts know the X and O's just like Danny O'Shea. They do the review of the All-22, dissecting every throw. O.C.U. Minora lit up Dan Venora when he was a guest on the show. So there you have it, a podcast for Giants fans who are rabid, who can't wait for Sundays, the NFC East, the Fantasy League standings. We'll see you back here. It's Big Blue Banter. Welcome back. This is the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier. Joined as always my co-host, Nick Filato. And today, we're joined by a special guest, Ryan Dyrud from well, he covers the L.A. Rams. I'm going to let him introduce himself and let him introduce where you can find all of his work. We're going to get a little insight on the Los Angeles Rams today who, you know, this is a team of Super Bowl aspirations coming into the Giants here. The Giants looking for the miracle. We'll talk a little bit about that. But, Ryan, tell us a little bit about yourself and where we can find your work. Well, Nick and Dan, thanks for having me on. Excited to uh, – anytime talking ball is great, so excited to talk about this matchup. But – uh, yeah, I run the L.A. Football Network out here in L.A., so we cover all the L.A. football teams, Rams, obviously, and then Chargers, Trojans, Bruins, little high school as well. Um, so my podcast is the L.A. Football Podcast, which you can find anywhere you get your podcast. It's also on the Believe Podcast Network. But, uh, yeah, happy to be joining you and talk about this thrilling matchup, as you said, because, you know, I know you guys are down and out in New York, but the Giants, you know, can still be a formidable team, and they always give these Rams trouble. And we saw last year your uh, – I don't know if you guys call them a rival out there or not, but we saw the Jets come in and shock the Rams. So you never know at any given Sunday, right? Absolutely. Dan, do we consider the Jets a rival? How do you feel about that? I've never considered the Jets to be a rival. This has been a big point of discussion among my family, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, it goes back to 
really 20 years ago or so when my dad, when my brother was at a day camp and my dad came to pick him up and he was wearing a Jets hat. And to this day, we've never let Maddie, Match and I or my brother live that down. It's been a point of uh, just, it's been terrible for him to really have to go through what he's had to go through for that one decision he made. That wasn't even his decision. He was like five years old at the time or seven years old at a day camp. And yet we've destroyed him for it. My dad and my brother hate the Jets and feel like they're I wouldn't say a rival, but they just want them to lose at all times. I personally don't care. For me, rivals are only teams within the division. Those are the only true rivals. So Washington football team, Eagles and Cowboys. But I don't know. Do you feel differently about it, Nick? I don't. I, don't, I could care less about the New York Jets, to be honest. And When I was younger, I guess I did because I had a lot of annoying Jet fan friends. But it, it's no skin off my ass if I'm going to be real with you. But let's dive in to the Rams. Ryan, I want to start first with Sean McVay. I want to start with your guys, head football coach, and just the overall philosophy that he has on offense. What's it like being a fan and somebody who covers the Los Angeles Rams to have Sean McVay be your play caller? Because play calling in the New York Giants has been a point of contention for quite a while over here. So I want to kind of pick your brain and just ask you, what does Sean McVay do that makes this offense so special? Yeah, I mean, he's a he's a great offensive mind. Everyone knows the the videos and the the sound bites of him remembering plays from 20 years ago, or whatever. Um, so he obviously has that going for him, but he, you know, he's a guru in a sense that he's very creative. Uh, he puts his guys in, you know, good positions in, in what he sees to be successful. Um, but in a sense, just like every coach out there, his downfall is he does kind of get in his own way sometimes. And he has these, these moments where he wants, I'll just say this. He wants to throw the ball, Like he wants, that's, I think nowadays, most especially young coaches want to air it out. They want to have the high scoring games. They want to have the flash. They want to have the, you know, on Sports Center and, and showing the top, you know, Matt Stafford to Deshaun Jackson or Cooper Cup for the 75 yard bomb, which we all love to see. But a lot of times that that means he abandons the run. And that's been the one frustrating thing, which is hard to be frustrating because of how good the Rams have been since Sean's gotten here. And, um, but he kind of sometimes will get in his own way in that regard. But overall, he's, he's a great play caller. He, uh, you know, runs more of the outside zone stuff when he does run the football. Uh, he likes to spread it out when he does uh, pass it, but doing a lot of motion stuff at the line of scrimmage to really make the defense keep them honest and pre-snap, making them make a lot of decisions. And then now that he has the quarterback in Matthew Stafford, they can kind of be the coach on the field because that was kind of the biggest thing with J Jared Goff. I still, I, I wasn't a Jared Goff apologist, but I thought he was good enough to play quarterback in this league. Obviously led the Rams to a Super Bowl. But the biggest thing with Jared Goff was pre-snap. He just... He, McVeigh was basically in his ear until he was cut off. And then once he was cut off, that was it. Goff was calling that play, running it as Sean McVeigh called it. Whereas now Stafford can kind of be that coach on the field, see things as Sean sees them, and he's able to switch things up. And that's why we've seen some of these big, big dynamic plays that we just haven't had over the last four years. But McVeigh's great. We all love him out here. It's it's funny, you know, and I'm rambling on now, but it's funny he comes here and turns this culture and this team into a winning organization. They haven't had a losing season under him. And all of a sudden, you know, he loses a game two weeks ago to the Cardinals and it's like, he's on the hot seat out here in LA. And it's, it's crazy because of how good he's been. And that's just, that shows the standard now that he's built for these Rams. Yeah. And Ryan, I actually wanted to follow up with you on something on McVay. Uh, so for, for, for me with McVay, one of the things I like the most about him is his route combinations and his specific designs in the passing game. It seems like when I watch him and I haven't had a chance to watch too much Rams film this year, but I've seen them in the past. It just seems like he has great route combinations that get receivers open. He, like you said, he likes to run a lot of those three by one sets that seem to really put pressure on the opposing team's defensive backs, specifically the safeties, put them in tough spots. But one thing I disagree with McVeigh on, and I want to get your take on because 
It relates to the Giants a lot. The Giants have a coach in Joe Judge who's second last in the league in um, what what the data would tell you is when you should be going for it on fourth down, he's has the second worst rate in the league of when he's actually not going for it. And that's just kind of based on the analytics, based on the percentage of fourth downs working and not over time. Uh, and there's a lot of studies that have shown like why that rate comes. But another coach who's similar in that regard is Sean McVay. I was surprised to see the Rams so mm-hmm. low on the list. Uh, you know, among teams who don't go for it on fourth down and are not coaching this game aggressively. So what are your thoughts on McVay's fourth down decision-making specifically this year? Uh, and have you heard him say anything specifically on this that gives you more insight or anything you can share with us that kind of gets us Giants fans in the mindset of why these coaches might be making these um, decisions that in on our on my end, at least, and on our end, seem to be uh, a lack of aggression? You know, it's it's interesting because, yeah, I and mean, then we've seen guys from the Sean McVay tree be extremely aggressive. Obviously, everyone knows what Brandon Staley's done, but but even, you know, uh, over in Cincinnati and, and elsewhere among his tree that has uh, gone out in the NFL. So it's an interesting thing because a lot of things with aggression, and at least when you hear other coaches talk about it, specifically Brandon Staley, it helps that we cover him too, but it's a trust in your guys kind of thing. Like, yeah, the analytics will tell you the success rate and um, and what can be successful – at certain points in the game, but a lot of it's more just, you know, trusting your quarterback. And it's like, do you have faith that your guys can go out there and get the one or two yards needed and not saying he doesn't, but it is interesting with how he calls games. But when it comes down to it, those are not the moments like for specifically two weeks ago against Arizona down two scores on the 20 yard line and opts to kick the field goal ends up being a missed field goal. So it looks even worse instead of going for it there and trying to go for seven and make it a, a ball game. At the time, they were kind of in still. Obviously, two scores down, but there was still plenty of time on the clock. You have the firepower that you have on offense. So it, he gets questions about it all the time, and he's one of those coaches, if you're ever in his press conferences or ever watch them, where he usually – he doesn't deflect. He'll always own it, but he doesn't really give you a, a true answer. <laughs> he's kind of just like, yeah, I got to be better in that regard. Like, I got to trust my players. I got to know that I got to play call to win the game and not just lose the game kind of thing. So I think hopefully we'll see it improve in that in that sense. I don't know if it's just his upbringing from – I know now it's contentious to even say this name, but his upbringing in the, the John Gruden tree where, when he was back in Tampa and then over in Washington. I don't know if it has to do with that thought process and how they coached back in the day. Um, but, but he's the guy. I mean, he's the top guy. He doesn't take any advice from anyone. There's no one on the sideline in his ear saying this, this, and this. So I think it's something that hopefully we'll see improve on. And I think as the offense you know, gets more comfortable, you know, here we are going into week six – uh, with a with a new quarterback, and they're still you know feeling each other out, not playing any preseason games. So I think we'll hopefully see that uh, come to fruition more. But yeah, it's interesting, and I don't have a, a great answer for you other than that he just says he needs to be better at it. But we'll see when he really does because it kind of is the same song and dance every week. If it's any consolation, I guess he's probably going to find a way to be aggressive against this Giants defense because it seems like every offense the Giants has faced this year there's been a fourth down decision where they end up going for it and usually end up getting it, whether that be Mike McCarthy, even though Lorenzo Carter came up with an interception this game on a fourth down or Vic Fangio back in week one, Denver just kept going for it on fourth down and catching the Giants off guard when they were in man coverage was pretty unfortunate. Giants defense hasn't necessarily lived up to what they did in 2020, but we're not talking about the Giants defense here. We're talking about the Los Angeles Rams. You brought up a lot about Matt Stafford, man. How is Matt Stafford, in your opinion, you kind of touched on this a little bit, but how is he – assumed this role as the Los Angeles Rams starting quarterback and how much of an upgrade is he over Jared Goff? It's been great. I mean, he's obviously excited to be here. The team's excited to have him. The city's excited to have him. Um, Goff was one of those guys that, you know, no one disliked him. Great guy, you know, character guy, 
Uh, teammates liked him. It wasn't like he was lazy or anything. It, I just feel like he had reached his ceiling. And he had, for what McVay wanted to do, I mentioned kind of the pre-snap stuff and, and some of the mental stuff. Uh, and, and obviously, we can get into turnovers and whatnot, as he still this year kind of leads the league in turnovers. So we see that rearing its ugly head again. But, but Stafford just brings another element, whether it's mental, physical, or all of the above, that I think there's just a comfort level there. And I don't think we've even scratched the surface yet. Like there's stuff, some installs and stuff we were seeing in training camp that they haven't even run out yet. I mean, Tutu Atwell being a second round draft pick because of his speed, like doesn't even play. And I know part of his draft was to be the heir apparent to Deshaun Jackson since he's only on a one year deal. But if you can have two speed guys out there with the arm talent Stafford has, and yet we're seeing the deep ball go more to Van Jefferson and Cooper cup. And we saw Robert Woods finally get involved last week. So I think it's just the the ability Stafford has to to spread the ball around, the uh, mental that he has pre-snap, and then just the the comfort that he has, you know, being now a 13-year vet or whatever it is, that, uh, you know, he's been on bad teams, and now that he has these embarrassment of riches, uh, we're just scratching the surface. So I know there's been, you know, after I think the after the Arizona loss, all of a sudden it was like, oh, well, there's the old Stafford from, from the Detroit days. Is he really an upgrade? And you see these old pundits or whatever saying like they were saying oh i think jared goss actually better like is stafford better no let me put that to bed right now stafford is absolutely an upgrade and that's no disrespect to jared goff but what stafford can do with his arm with his mentals is definitely an upgrade and we're just scratching the surface this offense i think week 9 10 11 especially this this stretch here where they have a fairly easy schedule where they can test out a lot of things that they were doing in training camp i think we're going to start seeing it really roll and start clicking and uh, it's just going to be exciting. So the, the love for Stafford here is great. And I think we'll just see his story grow even more over the weeks. Giants football is finally back and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find New York Giants tickets anymore because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that the other sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all their NFL tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. That's right. You guys ever want to just go and see Saquon Barkley hit a 60-yard run? You know I do. Daniel Jones, fine Sterling Shepard, Kenny Galladay, Darius Slayton deep. Well, if you guys want to see that live, please go and visit TickPick.com and use the promo code BANTER. That's TickPick.com slash BANTER. If you use that today, you can save $10 on your first order of the Giants tickets that you deserve. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Makes sense to me, man. Makes sense. And I know your offense, I know, like you said, Sean McVay wants to throw the football. That's more of the philosophy, but it's also always based off of that wide zone, that stretch zone, outside zone, whatever you want to call it type of running game. And you could see it a lot. You saw it a lot with Jared Goff. You even saw it with Matt Stafford. You fake the play action and then you roll out, you hit that far hash. And then he fired that touchdown pass to Van Jefferson earlier in the season. He's able to do all that. Mm-hmm. How do you think this rushing approach has worked with Daryl Henderson and now Sony Michelle, who you guys recently acquired during the off season to replace Cam Akers, that injury when Cam Akers suffered that it was terrible, but it seems like Daryl Henderson even though he's a little dinged up with the rib injury, has stepped in and assumed his role pretty well. Yeah, I mean, the running game is great when when it's utilized. And, you know, last year, there's a statistic that I, I don't know the exact number, but basically when they would rush the ball 30-plus times, they didn't lose a game. Or if they did, it was like one game. So that was kind of their recipe for success. As you mentioned, it opens up the play action. It forces the defense, to be honest. It forces the defense to hit people. Like, you know, and if you pass the ball 60 times, 40 of those plays, you're probably not even, not 40 maybe, but half the plays, you might not even hit anybody because you got incompletions, you got guys running out of bounds. So it it forces a physicality on the game and forces the defense to actually play tackle football. And so when Sean McVay commits to it, it's very successful. I think Daryl Henderson uh, has reveled in the role that as the starter, he's a very, very talented back. His biggest thing since his career has just been his health and whether he's staying healthy. Even last week, went out for a couple series a little banged up, did come back, so it was nothing serious. But for him, it's just able to, you know, be available. And Sony Michelle's been great. I think what's been great about Sony Michelle, honestly, in this trade is how underrated he was as a pass blocker. Um, there's been many instances where he's back there with Stafford in the shotgun, and I, I can think specifically the Tampa Gay. He he sends a guy end over end over his shoulders, you know, blocking for him, which is what you need to do in this offense. Like you have to be able to pass pro as a running back for what they want to do for the quarterback. So the fact that he can do that. And then Daryl Henderson, just that slasher type runner. So yeah, this running game, I think is one of those that if you can get 25 to 30 carries a game, this is a really hard team to beat because if they have that balance, they have the talent there. The offensive line has been a pleasant surprise uh, with how well they've played and how well the center position has been. I know that was, if you're out here in LA or just talk to Rams fans, that was a huge, huge concern for many fans. So the fact that Brian Allen has played at a very, very high level, has uh, just helped this offense go even further. So, but yeah, the running game is something that can be very successful, can be, I think, a top 10 duo in this league. It's just a matter of if they actually get the touches. And when they do, they're, they're very, very good. 
Yeah, Ryan, I think it's interesting how during McVay's tenure, he really hasn't had the greatest talent or name brand offensive lineman, with the exception of Andrew Whitworth, who's obviously older, by the way, Mm -hmm. as well. But they make it work, and I think a lot of that is based on the scheme that they run and the system that he runs. But one question I had for you had to do with what we saw last year when the Giants matched up with the Rams, which was a much closer game than expected for the Giants. Mm -hmm. Giants really competed well in that game now. I think this year could be different because I think Matthew Stafford is a massive upgrade in my mind over Jared Goff. But having said that, one way the Rams really broke that game open and everything changed was when they used tempo and they came out with that with that no huddle. They rushed the line of scrimmage, tempo. Uh, Giants were off guard. You saw it. I believe it was uh, Julian Love and Logan Ryan, or it might have been Julian Love and another defensive back for the Giants. They used that tempo, and, and uh, Jared Goff hit uh, Cooper Cup uh, up the seam. Uh, for that touchdown that really changed the entire game and in my mind was the difference in the game have the Rams been leaning on as much tempo with Matt Stafford now replacing Jared Goff less tempo or more tempo on offense what can the Giants expect you know that's a good question I I think it's it's very situational um I think they they can last year or in years prior it would be yeah basically things weren't working let's change it up see if the tempo can do things whereas now it's more okay this situation calls for tempo this doesn't they feel comfortable with how Stafford does things to where they I, I don't think they have to get you know stuck in one way or the other obviously you know in in tight game situations or or low time situations before half or point of the game they're going to go into tempo but um I didn't answer your question. It's just situational, and 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 they they're successful in both ways. We've seen them run both ways through five weeks. Uh, I think they run the tempo more efficiently with Matthew Stafford, just because he the way he commands the huddle. Like I said, the way he can do things at the line of scrimmage, whereas Goff would get two or three plays, kind of get to the line of scrimmage, choose one, and they'd go. Whereas Matthew Stafford can have a litany of plays and kind of basically call out different uh, diagnoses of what he sees in the defense, and they can switch stuff up. And we've seen some of the great, you know, deep plays and some of the great, you know, first down conversions that they've had. So I don't think we'll see it uh, a ton. I think it'll dictate based on, um, like I said, situational football and what, what this game is going. But if it's a, it's, if it's a close ball game, kind of like what we saw against Seattle last week where the first half the offense really struggled and then we saw them go a little bit more tempo in the second half and really take off, um, then I would not be surprised at all if the Rams do that against the Giants too. Like you said, gave them a little trouble last year. They went tempo, so I, I wouldn't be shocked at all if they went to that recipe again and then let, let Matthew Stafford kind of utilize um, you know, the guys that he has and how well that they've been successful so far. Yeah. How strong is the coffee in Los Angeles? Because the rapport that Cooper <laughs> Cup and Matt Stafford have is insane. And apparently, according to Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth, it's because the two eat breakfast every day together. So what's going on with the coffee out there and how is the rapport with Matt Stafford and all of these receivers? Because arguably, bro, this is the best receiving core in the National Football League with the Buccaneers being the one that could probably overtake them. But man, dude, (laughs) this is a scary, scary passing attack. Well, the coffee, it just depends where you go. I don't know if they're doing French press up on their their (laughs) Los Angeles mansions overlooking the the hills or whatnot, but uh, yeah, man, it's been exciting to see. You know, I've talked a lot on my show how I think Cooper Cup's a, a top five receiver in this league. He doesn't have the the tools, if you will, the size, the the measurable speeds or whatever. But for me, it's about production, and the guy just produces. He's that guy that when you need a first down on on third and six, he's going to get it. He's that guy if you need him in the deep game, he's going to get it. He's a guy that you if you need a good zone runner, he's going to get it. And so that to me is what a top five receiver is all about. And he's been that honestly he's been very you know uh reliable his entire career 
He just didn't quite have the numbers that he's had through five weeks like he has right now. And obviously, to be a good receiver, sometimes you need a good quarterback, right? So uh, we see all these great receivers, and most of them had pretty good quarterbacks slinging the football uh, as outside of maybe a guy like Randy Moss who could just go up and get it from anywhere. But Cooper Cup and Matthew Stafford, the rapport is great. I think what's been exciting, too, is you see Stafford's able to utilize different receivers each week. Robert Woods is a guy that is beloved here in L.A. He's, he's a team leader, captain on this team, and really was not involved in the offense through four weeks. And McVay himself said, Matt Stafford said, we need to get this guy more involved. You know, it stayed kind of hush-hush. Robert Woods isn't your prima donna, flashy receiver is going to go out and make a scene. Like he, you know, behind closed doors said, hey, what can I do to be more involved? Just tell me what I need to do. I'm not sitting here begging for the football. And then we see him go out and get, you know, 10 catches, 155 yards against Seattle last week. So the ability to week in and week out, not knowing who's going to be the top uh, guy that's going to, Stafford's going to go after, I think is what makes this offense so dynamic. And it, it started with, when he, you know, essentially signed a contract in Cabo with Sean McVay down there when the trade happened, and then all the way through the offseason when these guys were together all the time, you know, getting to know each other, and then like you said, drinking Phil's coffee out here overlooking the overlooking the hills of Hollywood or or the beaches in their mansions, uh, just continually getting on the same page. But it's been fun to watch, and like I said earlier, I think they're just scratching the surface. I think we're just going to see this offense get better and better, and these guys get more on tune because there's been some games where early on in the first quarter. There's some miscues. You see sometimes when when Stafford's missing guys or the timing's just not quite there. So by week 10, 11, 12, I think that's going to be completely cleaned up and this thing's going to be a well-oiled machine. And, and like I said, I think Cooper Cup's going to be finished the year as a top five receiver in this league. Yeah, he's an absolute stud, man. I have a lot of respect for what Cooper Cup can do. I also love how Robert Woods and Cooper Cup also were significantly involved in the rushing attack as blockers. Mm -hmm. Those guys are dogs out there, man. And it's something that Dan and I bring up on our podcast because Jason Garrett and Pat Shermer, a former offensive coordinator, used to use the wide receivers and kind of motion them in tight, similar to what the Rams do, and then have them kind of block or chip the end man on the line of scrimmage. And it never really worked, but it seems like Cooper Cup and Robert Woods are able to do that effectively. Not mm-hmm. to mention, man, you guys got Van Jefferson, Deshaun Jackson, who Giant fans just can't stand, and then Tyler Higby, who's an absolute beast at tight end. Revel in it. Revel in it, Ryan. That's all I ask, my man. I wanted to pick your brain about this offensive line, though, man. Are there any weak links here? Because all these guys, if I'm not mistaken, have played together for all five games, and they all play in unison, something that these zone rushing teams are you know highly predicated on which every team is highly influenced by the cohesiveness of the offensive line you can look at the Giants and there's been a different guard every game different left guard every game there's just been injuries all through the line and you can tell when you watch the film but are there any weak links on this line in your opinion and is Andrew Whitworth still playing at a good to very good level yeah it's a great question it's been kind of the surprise of this team because uh you mentioned the cohesion and they had you know through through the four positions. So Andrew Whitworth, David Edwards at left guard, and then uh, Austin Corbett at right guard and Rob Havenstein at, at right tackle. Um, who started all last year. I think uh, Whitworth got hurt for a few games there and uh, some other guys shuffled around. But for the most part, those four all played. And then you had Austin Blythe go and sign with the Chiefs and insert Brian Allen, who they drafted a few years ago, played in 2019, missed all of last year uh, due to COVID. So they had the cohesion in the four. The big question mark was the center. And I don't know how much you guys knew about it, and I won't go into too much detail, but they essentially, back before the draft, moved Austin Corbett from guard to center, and then they had their backup tackle, Bobby Evans, they were going to move to his guard position. And that was like the set defense. They decided they were happy with that. They passed on Creed Humphrey in the draft, uh, passed on any offensive lineman in the draft. So 
Fans were upset, but that, that told you they were comfortable with this unit they had. They felt very strong about it. And then two weeks into training camp, not prior to training camp, two weeks into it, they decide, yeah, let's let's move Corbett back over to guard, and we're going to insert Brian Allen now as our starting center. And people freaked out here in Los Angeles. Like, are you kidding me? Like, we were saying all offseason, we needed a center. It obviously didn't work. It, this was more about Bobby Evans not working at guard than it was about Corbett not working at center. But anyway, insert Brian Allen. And he's played fantastic. And this unit has just played great as a unit. You can see the cohesion from the other four and really taking Brian Allen up, who has just worked his ass off all offseason to be starter quality. Andrew Whitworth is the leader of this unit. We've had him on our show before, and he talks about how important the cohesion is. Like the two most important things to be an offensive lineman is cohesion and like buy it, right? Just buying into exactly what the scheme is, knowing your assignments, having the intelligence, because all these guys are big and physical. It's a matter of knowing where you have to be at all times and not, you know, blowing a block assignment. Um, and obviously other guys can block better than others. But if you know every down, this is my guy, this is where I'm going, this is my uh, gap, this is what I have to do, it makes, you know, the physical part that much easier. And these guys are all very intelligent. They bought into now Kevin Carberry, the new offensive line coach, you know, what he wants to do. And I don't know if there is a weak link, to be honest with you. I think they because they play so well as a unit. Rob Havenstein, who had a really down year, uh, in 2020 and 2019 is playing back at a pro bowl level at the right side. So, uh, it's been, it's been a fun unit to talk about and watch because there was so much contention in the off season about it and so much concern about it. And so it's been fun to see, uh, them play well. And, and it honestly helps too. When you have a quarterback like Matt Stafford, they can get rid of the ball quick, not hold on to it, make quick decisions. I mean, the quarterback, you guys know the quarterback can make your offensive line look a lot better as well. And, and he certainly aided in that. Yeah, Ryan, I think it's interesting. Not only can the quarterback make your offensive line look a lot better, the, the coach can as well with the scheme. But one yeah. thing you mentioned there that I thought was the most telling here and really has been on the mind of Giants fans and should be on the mind of Giants fans for a long time is that you said you really don't feel like they have any weak link. Rob Haven signed someone I know from his days at Wisconsin, really always knew he was going to kind of be that average level type starter, but that's fine. That's what you want. You want, if we, if the Giants right now had a line full of Will Hernandez's, they'd be better. And Will Hernandez is not a, a player that we think is very good, but maybe a line full of Will Hernandez's and one Andrew Thomas, they'd be in great shape. Even a line full of Will Hernandez's would be better than having what they have out at left guard and center and right tackle with Nate Solder or whenever, wherever Solder's playing every week. So you have one or two or even three, like the Giants have had a lot of the times here, weak links. It makes a big difference. So what you said is so true. And, you know, I've, I've read a lot from offensive line coaches and a lot of people echo what you just said. As long as you don't have the weak link on the offensive line, things look a lot better. And it's so interesting. You mentioned Andrew Whitworth, who just continues to play at a high level. This one will always go down for me, Ryan, as one of just the biggest regrets of my uh, time covering the Giants, because when I was covering the Giants for 24 seven sports, he was a free agent from the Bengals, and I believe he was, you know, at that point, what was he, 30, 31, 32 years old, older, but still had graded out from pro football focus, at least, as the second best uh, left tackle and the third best left tackle in consecutive seasons heading into that free agency. I made the case in January of that year that the Giants should drop everything to sign him, and he even made mention in some interviews about him and his wife uh, wanting to move to New York and being interested. Later on, he even confirmed that the Giants never called him, had zero interest in him, did not... Uh, even look his way in free agency, despite obviously the tackles at that time being uh, Eric Flowers and Bobby Hart, just disasters at both spots. And so it'll always just be on my mind that I can't believe he's still playing at this high of a level. Obviously, he's not now like the best or second or third best left tackle in the NFL, but he's still like a plus starter. And he's what now, 38 years old? It's insane. 
yeah, it's it's honestly amazing. And you know, getting injured last year with the ACL and MCL, and how quickly he came back. And you know, we talked to him about it, and he was training because of all the COVID protocols. He had to train away from the facility since he was on in reserve. And you know, he's pushing his his truck up hills. And the dude was. He said if if they made a push last year, he probably would have played in the Super Bowl if they made the Super Bowl. Like he was ready by then, which is insane with the injury at his age, 39 years old, now being 40. Um, and he, he attributes it to just technique and 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 the way the Rams run things, which is why I think they've been so successful. Cause you look at it, and you guys know this as well, like it's a war of attrition in the NFL. And every team has talent. Obviously, there's your your top three, four, five teams that are more talented. But what it comes down to is who's healthy in January. And, and who doesn't have the big injuries, who star players are playing on Sundays. Those are the teams that are in the playoffs making deep runs. And the Rams, since McVay have been there, have been relatively very healthy. And a lot of that's due to what they do outside of Sundays, how their practices are, how many padded practices, how much they're hitting. And Whitworth, I mean, my, my co-host is Frosty Rucker, who was actually in the same draft class as Andrew Whitworth at Cincinnati. And he jokes all the time with them, like you, you don't, you haven't practiced in five years. Like he basically just shows up <laughs> in his in his hoodie and just kind of as a player coach essentially. And then he goes out there on Sundays, uses his great technique and size, and you know he comes away unscathed and he's ready to go the next week. So, so that's been a tribute to McVay and this coaching staff and what the Rams have built as a culture and kind of how they run things and why they've been so good and had a winning season every year that McVay has been here because a lot of that's due to health and a lot of that's due to how they do things in practice. And so. I'm going off down a tangent, but you get some of these coaches, the Shanahan's, the other guys that everyone talks about injuries and the unfortunate of it. Well, you know, after five or six years, that starts probably being an issue with the actual coaching staff and how they do things. And it's not always just bad luck. And I think that's why the Rams has been so successful. Yeah, man. I wanted to ask you, Ryan, too. Do you have any good defensive linemen or anything over there in Los Angeles? Is there is there a name <laughs> that we should be aware of? Yeah. Ashawn Robinson is a guy you want to look for. No. Aaron, <laughs> Aaron Donald, man, you know, just broke the sack record. Uh, you know, it's funny. It's he broke the sack franchise record, um, but I always have to give a shout out to Deacon Jones and uh, uh, another guy who have doubled the sacks, but it was before sacks were even registered in 1982. Uh, but Aaron Donald, yeah, is currently the franchise holder in sacks, and the dude is just he's just special. I mean, he's you have to game plan for him on every play, double, triple team for him. They have other guys that can now make plays on that defense, so he's a fun guy to watch, and and I think that one of the best players in the league, not just defensive players. Absolutely. Yeah. Every time you just, when the Rams are on a primetime game, I'm always like, oh, I can't wait to watch 99, just shoot up field and just wreak havoc on, on the opposing offense. He's one of my favorite players to watch, but not this week, not this week. Not there at you all. Go. <laughs> yeah. But um, outside of Aaron Donald on this defensive line and Ashawn Robinson, the great Ashawn Robinson, how are the other, how was the other personnel there? How, how have they been performing this year and how much do they benefit by the presence of Aaron Donald? Yeah, I mean, anytime playing with Aaron Donald, you're gonna you're gonna you know have better opportunities because you're gonna get those single blocks. Uh, you're gonna have different gaps. You're gonna be able to shoot up. So uh, you know, the defensive line, I think is it's had its struggles this year. To be honest, they're they're not as good against the run as they were last year. Um, they you, obviously you lose a guy like Michael Brockers, who they traded to Detroit, who was I, in my opinion so underrated. You know, fans like to see the stats and the sacks, and he wasn't a sack guy, but he was a guy that was so integral in the, in the running game. And so they're definitely missing him. Morgan Fox, another guy who had a breakout year last year with Brandon Saley's scheme. And, and you now he's now in Carolina. So they've had their struggles, I think uh, more so than fans have wanted to see. They drafted a guy by the name of Bobby Brown at a Texas A&M, who I think is going to be a really, really good player. Talked to coach Henderson, the defensive line coach when he was drafted and he's extremely excited about him and think he has, you know, huge upside. 
even compared him to Aaron Donald, not on the level of Aaron Donald, but just the style they play and the, and the way they play the game. They, it compared that style, but he hasn't been able to really get in the rotation a lot. You know, there was going to be some, some growing, um, not growing pains, but you know, just some learning and stuff there. So, uh, but yeah, you know, Ishan Robinson in the middle, I think uh, Sebastian Joseph day has just been such a pleasant surprise at the nose tackle, a guy they drafted a few years ago, way late and became, you know, in, entrenched as a starter last season and has played very well. So, uh, for this team to really be successful, though, it comes down to what the defensive line does, and then, and then they're they're two backers. You know, they run a, a three four base, but they you know most of their outside backers are more in the the pass rush game than they are necessarily in the running game. Uh, and so it's you know what Troy Reader, what Micah Kaiser, what those guys are able to do in the middle, plugging holes and and being you know gap smart and gap savvy. So uh, it's a good unit. I think they've had their struggles, but I think that was to be expected with the new regime change with Raheem Morris as a defensive uh, coordinator. Um, but anytime you have Aaron Donald, you, you, you know, you have recipe for success there in the trenches. And, and I think they're just going to get better and better. Yeah. So is Michael Kaiser playing in this game? Cause if I'm not mistaken, did he, did he dress last week or was it just Troy reader and Ke- uh, Kenny young out there? Yeah, primarily he's been kind of a rotational guy. Uh, and yeah, Kenny young has been the main starter and has played very well. Love Kenny Young, especially after what, you know, being a UCLA guy. So you you should see much more. I'm not, I, I need to see the final uh, reports here coming in, you know, on Friday and whatnot. But I, you'll see mostly a heavy desert of Kenny Young and then Troy Reader, who's, who's you know, been a bright spot of this defense. Uh, had an interception, what was it, last week uh, after the tip pass from Jalen Ramsey. So, but Kenny Young's been a great, great young, uh, who they traded in the Marcus Peters trade. So he's been a lot of fun to, to watch grow and blossom here in L.A. Yeah, no, I remember him at UCLA as well. He's a quick, fast type of linebacker. He's a he's going to be interesting to watch for sure. And then I want to talk about Leonard Floyd as well, because Leonard Floyd is somebody that Dave Gettleman reportedly was really interested in, wanted to bring him onto the Giants, which would have, uh, I guess, incited an interesting domino effect, because then the Giants may not have been able to pursue either a Dory Jackson or Kenny Galladay if Leonard Floyd ended up coming with, to the Giants. But he ended up resigning with the Rams. How has he been playing? this season and that would be the second time the giant a giants general manager did not get leonard floyd if we want to go back to that draft when jerry reese was jumped by the chicago bears <laughs> and the tennessee titans for jack conklin but let's not reminisce how was leonard floyd yeah yeah no he's been solid man he's uh you know he's three sacks so he's not not eye popping through five weeks but i mean it's still solid production uh, as a pass rusher but what makes floyd so so good. And I kind of talked about it with Michael Brockers, but Floyd's great in, in the running game. And he also can split out and cover if need be, because he's so tall and lanky, you know, at, at that six, six or whatever, two forty frame, but he's very fast and, and can run side and sidelines. So I think what, what they love about Floyd here in LA is his versatility. He's not just your, your three down pass rusher or two down pass rusher. Um, he can do it all in the, in the rush game. And then also in the pass game. So he's, he's had a very solid year. I think they've been, you know, when you sign a contract, like he's signed, and it, it basically, you know, they decided to keep him as opposed to John Johnson and Troy Hill and some of the other guys in the secondary because they couldn't keep them all with the cap space they had. So they essentially said, OK, we'll let those guys walk. We're going all in on Leonard Floyd because we think what he adds to our defensive front seven is that important. And, you know, overall, he's lived up to it through, I think, five weeks. Uh, like I said, three sacks. Uh, he gives you a lot in the rush in the past. Excuse me. In the running defense. Uh, with 23 total tackles. So I think he's played well. I, I think he still has room to grow, still is getting more comfortable in the, in the somewhat wrinkled new defense. Um, but overall, I think he's been a very solid player and, and a very pleasant surprise after his start in Chicago. And he's had two really, really good years so far here in LA. 
And who's the uh, other edge rusher that we should be concerned with? Would that be Ogbanya Ogoronkwo or Terrell Lewis, who seems to, by the PFF stats, be playing a lot more and getting more pressure on the quarterback? Yeah, definitely Terrell Lewis is who you want to watch for. Um, you know, Obo is a guy that it seems like every year is like we're hoping for his breakout year and it just doesn't come. Some of that is due to injuries, unfortunately, but he just can't quite make that leap. You know, has a ton of talent coming out of Oklahoma, but can't just quite do it at the NFL level. Um, Sounds like Renzo Carter on our side. There you go. Yeah. I mean, every team has those guys, right? So, uh, you know, the Rams had an unfortunate injury, but Terrell Lewis has stepped up. And if Terrell Lewis is healthy, I think he has a chance to be a dominant pass rusher in this game because everyone knew that in last year's draft. He, he fell to the third round just because of injury concerns. Last year missed pretty much all of the all the season because of injury. Uh, but so far this year, they've been maintaining. They've been, you know, really structuring his practices out. And when he's been out there, He's played great. So Terrell Lewis is the guy you want to watch, watch for because he's been a real pleasant surprise since he's been thrust into more playing time uh, this season. Man, I remember him at Alabama. I thought he was so good, but he just was injured so often, so long and explosive and instinctive. He's uh, he's definitely somebody I'm not looking for. I'm not looking forward to this matchup in general because I'm sure you're familiar, Ryan. The Giants offensive line right now is in shambles, and it looks like Andrew Thomas could play, but I don't think that's 100% certain. And Andrew Thomas, much maligned last season, being the first tackle taken, had a really uh, uninspiring rookie season, but he's really bounced back this year. And then without him against Dallas, it was an absolute mess with Nate Solder having to slide to the left side. And I can't even imagine how the Giants are going to handle this defensive front with Aaron Donald. I couldn't even imagine how they'd handle him without Aaron Donald because there are still other good boys on this front who could really, really play ball. Guys like Greg Gaines, guys like Sean Robinson, like you said, who's in more of a bit player and then these edge rushers. But that doesn't even start with this defense, man, because Jalen Ramsey, that is also scary to go up against. And we'll get to Ramsey in a second, but I want to ask you about the other players around Ramsey. Now that you guys lost John Johnson, you guys lost Troy Hill, how are those other pieces fitting into this defense without Brandon Staley there and with Raheem Morris as the defensive coordinator? You know, it's it's been a, how do I want to put it? It's, it's been definitely worse than last year so far. There's been definitely growing pains. Uh, Darius Williams, who they gave the first round tender last year, has, you know, I don't want to say hasn't lived up to it, but has had his struggles and now is injured on, on IR, so he will not be playing this week. Um, and I think they really feel the loss of John Johnson and Troy Hill. And everyone kind of, you know, played it off like it wasn't going to be a big deal. You know, not only do you lose Brandon Staley, you lose Aubrey Pleasant, who's, you know, integral in the secondary coaching as, as the DB coach. Uh, and they just haven't had the production that they had last year. And you still have Jalen Ramsey, who's I think the best in the game. Um, but then the safeties has struggled. Jordan Fuller, who was the huge surprise last year, uh, sixth round pick has had his struggles this year. Did have a good game last week against Seattle. So I think we're starting to see hopefully him get more comfortable, uh, because he was given, you know, the, the green dots, so a lot more responsibility for him and, and as a second year. So that that's something that, you know, everyone's proud about and said, oh, great. Look at the second year player getting the green dot. But, you know, that does add a lot to your plate and there's going to be some regression there potentially. Uh, Taylor Rapp is a guy that, you know, is great as a box safety, but has struggled tackling sometimes, which is not what he should be struggling with. That's kind of what his MO is. He's a liability in coverage, unfortunately. Uh, so th th we really want to see him, you know, start producing at a higher level. Terrell Burgess is who we think all should be, you know, your nickelback or even play the star position a lot more. And he just hasn't seen the field and none of us really know why had a decent rookie campaign last year until he got hurt. So this week now with Darius Williams out, I think we will see Burgess a lot more and hopefully we'll see him play at a high level. And then finally I'll get to David long who, you know, basically is taking over essentially for 
Uh, Troy Hill on the outside and has really struggled. I mean, he's a guy that needs, I think, play in the slot uh, and a lot more comfortable there, can have a lot more success. So last year, they, or last week, excuse me, Robert Shell, guy they drafted out of a small school in Alabama in the fourth round, they actually started, told him week of he's starting on the outside because they wanted to switch things up and, you know, gave up some big plays. But as a rookie from a small school, uh, you know, he, he, you know, rose up to the occasion. I thought he played well down the stretch. So we'll see his progression as we go. But to answer your question, I know that was a long form answer, but you know, this is a secondary that is not playing at the elite level like they were last year. Like you can throw on these guys right now. And they're going to have to start switching some things up and maybe using Ramsey in a different way because basically they've played him primarily as the star this whole season so far. And they may need to start just putting him on their, you know, pun in, no pun intended, but star player instead of moving him all over the field because, you know, they're getting eat up in the, in the secondary quite a bit. And they're kind of having that bend but don't break defense where they give up yards but don't give up points, which, hey, if it wins you ball games, it works. But down the stretch, you want to see this defense playing at a much higher level like where they were last year. They're the number one rated unit. So, it's a secondary that's been uh, definitely uh, attacked, and we'll see how they continue to progress uh, throughout these weeks. But I know fans have been very upset with how the secondary is played. So about Jalen Ramsey, how do you think the Rams are going to use him against the Giants? So Kenny Galladay is not going to be here. It looks like Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton both practiced today, but I'm not 100% certain on their availability at the time of this recording. And then Kadarius Tony was also dealing with an injury, but I haven't heard anything that's going to prevent him from playing. Do you think that the Rams will just kind of put him on one side and whoever the Giants throw on that side, that's who he's going to be on? Or do you think they're going to adapt and maybe try to put him on someone like Kadarius Tony, who's starting to kind of have a mini breakout in the National Football League? Yeah, it was great to see Tony have a great year la- or a great game last week. He was a guy that I think a lot of excitement. I'm sure you guys were. So that was good to see. Um, you know, with Ramsey, they, they're kind of, they keep saying they're going to kind of switch things up, change it up. Like I said, he's been playing star. Most of this season so far, I think with the Giants, they'll continue that. And that's no disrespect, but I just think that I think the way that the offense runs and the way this defense can be against this unit, I think that makes more sense. Um, but I would not be shocked at all if, you know, in the second quarter, if one of your receivers, albeit be Tony, is, you know, going off and already has five or six receptions, they say, okay, let's, let's just put Ramsey on him and lock it down and, and make them go another route. So I think they'll test him out early at star, moving him around. But if they, if they start getting gnashed by someone or David Long struggles or Robert Rochelle's struggling, um, then I could certainly see them change their their tune and have him be just that lockdown guy that follows someone around sideline to sideline. If I remember correctly, Robert Rochelle was down at the Senior Bowl with Kadarius Tony in practice before he was injured in, on Tuesday. And on the few reps that he took, Kadarius Tony, I think, blew by him on a nine route and made the small school kid look absolutely terrible so hopefully that happens Giants fans on Sunday but Ryan man this has been an absolute pleasure please plug away anything you need to where all your content is your podcast your network your Twitter handle the floor is yours my friend yeah guys thanks so much for having me always a fun talking ball so uh, you can find me on Twitter at Ryan Dyard LAFB excuse me uh, our website is lafbnetwork.com. We uh, cover all the Los Angeles football teams there, have a podcast for every team out there. My show is the LA Football Show. Also airs on uh, AM, the Mightier 1090 here in the SoCal area if you're on radio. So, uh, but yeah, guys, a lot of fun. Thanks for having me on. Uh, blast, and it was good getting to know you. Yeah, thank you so much, Ryan. Good luck to your Rams this weekend, but we're hoping the Giants come up with some random. Somehow they pull off a win. <laughs> hey, you never know. Any given Sunday, right? Should be a good game regardless.
This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.